0: Matthew chapter 5, let's read our text verse together this morning, here on Matthew chapter 5, let's read it together. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. All right, that was pitiful. If you're watching by live stream, I'm sorry, uh, uh, you you just missed, that. you think there's no one here by, on the basis of that enthusiasm for reading God's word. So let's try that again. I didn't even hear Pastor Howard's voice. So... So, I, I, I mean, it was, that was really... I, I mean, come on now, folks. I, I know it's a very long verse. It's going to take you a lot of energy to put into this very long verse. So, let's all, we're all situated now. All right, ready? Let's try that again. Matthew chapter 5, verse 5. Blessed are the meat, for they shall inherit the earth. Wow, much better. Father, would you take the time we have together to deliver your word that your Holy Spirit would guide, direct. You don't allow the words that need to be spoken, spoken. That you would hinder any words that do not need to be spoken, not spoken. Father, we love you. Thank you for the beautiful music we've heard this morning. Thank you for that mercy tree. Father, we thank you for that blood that was shed at that mercy tree that gives us life eternal for those who believe. And Father, I pray there be anyone among us today that does not have a personal, intimate relationship with you, that your Holy Spirit would draw them, that they would be convinced that Jesus is the answer for their life. Lord, I pray that as we get into your word, that you would help us to understand this brief word, uh, a verse, and understand your word, uh, and that we might leave here better equipped for this coming week. Thank you, Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Ushers, you come and help me here. If you did not receive a copy of our notes or announcements this morning, we want to make sure that you can participate by taking some good notes, and so just raise your hand uh, as our men walk back through the auditorium. I begin by saying uh, uh, this verse is something that I'm going to predict if we say blessed are the meek and we look through our entire congregation, we're going to say, ah, there's very few people that are actually meek here today. Our culture looks down upon those uh, it considers meek. Do you remember as a child reading the advertisements in the back of comic books? Does anyone remember that, uh, the comic books and on the backside that have advertisements? There was always a sketch of a, a skinny guy on the beach uh, who had sand kicked in his face. And after the Charles Atlas School of Bodybuilding trained him, he was able to make the bully run away. Every kid in America detested the meek, skinny little guy. And they applauded that triumphant bodybuilder, if you will. The fact is, nobody wants to be meek. Because we often associate meekness with weakness. And so nobody today wants to sign up to be meek. Uh, We detest meek people. Um, That is why Jesus' words here, blessed are the meek, actually seem foreign to us. It's a foreign concept. These words were foreign to his audience in the first century, 2,000 years ago as well. They looked down upon meekness. You have to understand that in the culture and context of where Jesus was speaking to his disciples, the Jews were arrogant. They were an arrogant bunch of people. Uh, They were the children of Abraham. They were God's chosen people. They were somebody. They were anxiously awaiting for that powerful Messiah to come and snatch them away from the yoke of Roman bondage and and to help them literally inherit the earth and be the rulers on this earth. Different groups of Jews looked for different types of messiahs. By way of introduction, there were the Pharisees. The Pharisees were known as the traditionalists. They thought he would come like Moses with plagues and and miracles like the parting of the Red Sea. There was a group of people 2,000 years ago called the Sadducees. And you see, the Sadducees were the modernists. They looked for a dynamic political leader who could, by just sheer intelligence and influence, deliver them. There was a third group of people called the Zealots. The Zealots... They were political activists and they looked for a military Messiah, a general like Joshua who could sweep in and conquer Rome, who had put their thumb of oppression upon the Jewish people. May I just tell you the true Messiah, were no, he was none of these things. If they had read Isaiah, they would have known that he would have been what the Bible refers to as a suffering Savior. Jesus, he was tender. And he was meek. Isaiah 42 says of him, A bruised reed shall he not break, and the smoking flax shall he not quench. He shall bring forth judgment unto truth. And Jesus even said of himself, I am meek and lowly in heart. Jesus taught this same. Blessed are the meek, and they rejected him. They rejected this message. They wanted no meek Messiah. You see, You have to understand, 2,000 years ago, Jesus was a total disappointment to his people. Jesus was not the Messiah that they were looking for. Jesus, though, was and is omnipotent. May I just tell you, he is the all-powerful God. He spoke this universe into existence, but he came to this earth as a meek and gentle man. And do not think that he was the person on the cover of your favorite magazine. Rather, he's the perfect example of meekness that was power, if you will, under control. As we've done in our previous messages, we go on a journey of discovery here in verse number five. And so let's jump into this and discover number one, the meaning of meekness. What does it mean to be meek? Well, we have some different definitions I'd like to share with you. First of all, there's the basic definition. In our culture, to be meek is understood to be a sissy, someone who is insecure, unsure, someone who is weak. Perhaps for a male to be meek, it means he's effeminate. Webster defines meek as deficient in spirit and courage, not violent or strong. Imagine a sales manager telling his agents, now go out there and be meek with your clients. I don't believe they're going to have many auto sales. The biblical word meek, though, comes from the Greek word praos, which means mild, humble, gentle. Uh, Classical Greek uses it in many ways. Meekness refers uh, to describe a soothing medicine. Meekness refers to a a gentle breeze. Meekness refers to a colt that is broken and useful. Meekness refers to a person who treats others with respect and dignity and politeness and courtesy. In one of Plato's works, a child asks a physician to be gentle with him. And that's the same terminology that we have here In verse number 5. And just as there's a basic definition of the concept of meekness, I'd like to share with you the contextual definition. What was Jesus saying in this context 2,000 years ago? Yes, there's the basic definition. But in the context 2,000 years ago of Jesus being surrounded by this group of people, what did he mean? It's not just enough to know the basic definition we didn't need to know how it worked how it works and how it's used within the beatitudes meekness is similar to being poor in spirit a couple of weeks ago we examined that message poor in spirit both have a basic characteristic of a word that again some of us do struggle with and that's the word humility To be poor in spirit, we learn, means that we focus on our spiritual poverty in the fact that we need a Savior. We're desperately wicked. We are empty. And there are some of you this morning, I want you to listen to me, there are some that are spiritually impoverished this morning. You're far away from God. You do not have a personal relationship with God. You're trusting your Catholic faith to get you to heaven. You're trusting your baptism to get you to heaven. You're trusting your good works to get you into heaven. You are spiritually impoverished and on your way to a place called hell. I'm not being unkind. I'm being gentle with you this morning because I want you to know who Jesus is. And Jesus is the answer to those who are poor in spirit. We must understand our sinfulness, and our sinfulness separates us from God. And by the way, when we understand our sinfulness, we can come to Him in humility. However, to be meek means we focus on God's holiness, not our sinfulness as spiritual poverty or being poor in spirit. When, When I am meek, I'm focusing on the holiness and the power of God, and that That thought that God is so holy, God is so powerful, it causes me to come to Him in humility. We can see a logical progression in the Beatitudes and we'll see that as we work our way through Matthew chapter number five. We examine poor in spirit. That's Beatitude number one. We examine, uh, blessed are those who mourn, Beatitude number uh, two. That's mourn over their sin. We examine the, uh, that there are those who will be comforted by God's grace and forgiveness and when a person becomes meek, that's Beatitude number three, by recognizing God's holiness and God's power. The Bible will We'll we'll learn in next week that that he will hunger and thirst after righteousness. Well, there's a basic definition, and there's a a definition of context. Jesus was trying to show everyone and illustrate God's power, his holiness. But there's also an Old Testament definition of meekness, an Old Testament. Job said to God, to set up on high those that be low, that those which mourn may be exalted to safety. Numbers chapter 12 says this, Now the man Moses was very meek, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. In Psalm 25, the Bible says, The meek will he guide in judgment, and the meek will he teach his way. In Psalm 147, the Bible says, The Lord lifted up the meek, And he casteth the wicked down to the ground. By the way, I'm waiting for him to do that right now in the United States of America. I hope that you understand that and bless you. In Isaiah 29, speaking of the the Old Testament definition, The meek also shall increase their joy in the Lord, and the poor among men shall rejoice in the Holy One of Israel. Did you know there are so many verses in the Bible on this concept of meekness? But there's a new covenant definition, a new covenant. And and, and after the law, the curse of the law has been broken, and we now see that we are living in the the dispensation of grace. By the way, I'm so glad we don't live under the law. I'm thankful that we're living under the new covenant. Paul says this, I beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith ye are called with all lowliness and here's that word and meekness with long suffering forbearing one another in love and he said in colossians chapter 3 put on therefore as the elect of god holy and beloved bowels of mercy kindness humbleness of mind here's that word meekness long suffering he reminded titus to speak evil of no man to be no brawlers but to be gentle showing all meekness unto all men. Now, folks, we've talked about Moses and Joshua and Isaiah. We've talked about Titus and we've talked about Paul. These are manly men who were meek. But there's some misconceptions about meekness. And I believe that's why we say today... That if we were to look through our congregation, there's nobody that's jumping up and down and say, Hey, sign me up. I want to be a meek person. In fact, we've probably not even used this terminology this week. But I just say meekness is not weakness. It is not. The word for meekness was used in a much extra-biblical literature to refer to a horse that had been trained. Therefore, the idea of meekness is this. Power under control. Power under control. Under control. A horse that is trained is useful and safe. However, one that cannot be controlled. You know what? An uncontrolled person. Oh, I want you to listen. Someone who will not listen to advice. Is there anyone here that you've been given some godly, sound advice and you failed to listen to? Because it didn't fit your narrative. It didn't fit your agenda. May I just tell you, one that cannot be controlled by sound advice is someone that, is, that will cause damage. Someone that is dangerous. I just want to encourage you that there's something great about being a powerful person under control. God's definition of meekness. A medicine that can, uh, a medicine that can be controlled can be, uh, bring about healing. However, one that misuses medicine and someone that is controlled by medicine will be someone that will be subject to long-term damage, if not death. A wind that blows with controlled speeds is used to, con- to control and, and pump water and provide energy. However, a wind that's left to its own devices called a tornado or, or a hurricane will cause great destruction. So I say this, a person who can control his words is encouraging and pleasant. And someone who does not cause great harm. Someone said it this way, if you think meekness is weakness, try being meek for a week. Meekness is not weakness, but I want you to notice this morning that meekness is also not cowardice. Meekness is not cowardice. Some people believe that to turn the other cheek is an act of cowardice. Jesus was the most courageous man who has ever lived and ever walked this earth. He faced all of the fury of Your sin and my sin. He faced the fury of hell and death on the cross. And though he never defended himself, may I just tell you, Jesus was quick to defend the others. He drove the money changers out of the temple with a whip, turned their tables over. A mature Christian who has died to self and will not worry about insult and injury to himself who will be at a loss for himself is a meek person who is powerful under control and will come to the defenses of those around him don't be understand a misconception here and be deceived this morning. Meekness is not human niceness. It's not human niceness. I don't even know if that's a correct sentence, but it sounded good to me when I wrote it. It's not lack of conviction or simple politeness, but it's a righteous respect for God and others. And Peter reminds us of Jesus' example, who did no sin. Neither was guile found in his mouth, who when he was reviled, reviled not again. When he suffered, he threatened not. When he committed himself to him that judgeth righteously. I'm just telling you that Jesus was a perfect example of power under control. Discovery number two this morning. Let me share with you from the word of God some results of those who had meekness in their life. Let me share with you some results. I'm going to give you a demonstration from Scripture. Oh, let's look first of all at a man by the name of Abraham. We won't go there this morning to Genesis chapter 13, but let me just quickly tell you, God had led Abraham and his family into the land of Canaan. And a dispute arose between Abraham and, and, uh, and uh, Abraham's servants and the servants of his nephew Lot. And ha- has there ever been family problems? Have any of you ever had problems within your family? And can I just see by an uplifted hand you've had problems within your family? Oh, Abraham, he had problems. There's a lot, a family can be ruthless with each other. Abraham had a nephew, Lot. He had servants, and Abraham's servants. and, And they. you know what they were arguing over? The Bible tells us they were arguing over grazing rights for their animals. God had given all the land to Abraham. It rightfully belonged to Abraham. He was God's man with God's covenant and Lot was nothing more than a spoiled nephew dependent depended on Abraham for everything and Abraham was Lot's uncle and his elder and Abraham could have said this. He could have said, Lot, you listen to me, you little parasite. <laughs> Abraham could have said to Lot, you listen to me, you pretentious ankle biter. You'll graze wherever I tell you to graze. But Abraham, the Bible says, willingly gave up his rights for the sake of his nephew and for the sake of harmony and for the sake of their testimony. And Abraham had the power to do whatever he wanted. But Abraham was a meek man who understood power under control. And with meekness, he literally waived his rights to his nephew. Oh, how about the man Joseph? We've all heard of Joseph. Joseph, he was sold into slavery in Egypt. And, uh, and he was sold. Oh, hey, has anyone ever had any family problems? <laughs> Who was Joseph sold into slavery by? His brothers. Man, God has told us there's some family problems in the Old Testament. And through the passing of time. God elevated Joseph from a slave to become the prime minister over all of the nation of Egypt. And when the long-lost brothers came to Joseph to buy food, do you know what Joseph, he had the power to do. As soon as he saw his brothers, he could have had them killed as traitors and trespassers into the land of Egypt. But the Bible says, rather, he wept aloud. And the Egyptians and the house of Pharaoh heard. Can you imagine someone? crying so loud that all the people around they heard people had to wonder wait a second the prime minister joseph the man who had a man of integrity a man who is who has helped save us from famine this man weepeth what is going on he finally revealed himself to his brothers and showed them what great compassion in meekness Joseph knew it was God's place to judge and not him. How about a man by the name of Moses? We've already learned that Moses, by the definition, he was very meek. He was above all the men that were upon the face of the earth, the Bible says. However, I want you to remember Moses, there was a time that he was not very meek in a fit of anger, in a fit of a loss of control. And he saw saw an Egyptian mistreating one of the Hebrews, and he went and he killed that Egyptian taskmaster. And it was Moses who smashed the first set of the tablets of the law when he saw the, the, the drunken orgy around the golden calf. In Exodus chapter 3, when God called Moses to be his deliverer, Moses said that he could not do it because he had a speech impediment. Moses was meek and humble, not because he was weak, because he could defend God before anyone, but he could not defend himself before God. I'm thankful for that example of Moses because I believe that a lot of us can relate to him. As we march on through the Old Testament, there's some examples of meekness, I think, of David. Oh, David, so much of the Bible and the Old Testament is written about David. God chose David to replace King Saul. And because of this, Saul hated David and took an army to pursue and, and to kill David. And David had the opportunity to kill Saul when Saul went into a cave of Engedi to relieve himself. And David's men acted like cheerleaders, urging David to kill Saul at that opportune moment. Instead, David, he cut off the corner of Saul's robe. And because of his meekness, the Bible says, his heart smote him because he had cut off Saul's skirt. And he restrained, the Bible says, and he stopped his own men from killing King Saul. On another occasion, long after David had become king, his own son. Has anyone ever had any family problems? His own son, Absalom, plotted a successful coup against him. And one of Saul's relatives, Shimei, uh, publicly cursed David and threw stones at him. And one of David's mighty men, Abishai, said this, Why should this dead dog curse my lord the king? Let me go over, I pray thee, and take off his head. And David, the Bible says, restrained this man out of meekness. He was a mighty warrior for God, but he would not exalt or defend himself. Oh, as I march through the Bible, I see another example, Paul. Paul. Paul was the most educated of all the apostles. Yet he was, the Bible says, a very meek man. He said in Philippians uh, chapter 3 and verse number 3 that he had no confidence in the flesh. However, Paul had complete confidence in God. For in Philippians 4 and verse 13, he just said this, I can do all things through Christ which strengtheneth me. Paul was a powerful man under control. But the greatest example in all of Scripture comes from a man who walked this earth, and his name was Jesus. Of course, Jesus is the greatest example. He said in Matthew chapter 11, these words that we should live by, Come unto me, all ye that labor and are heavy laden. And he gives us a promise, I will give you rest. He goes on to say, take my yoke upon you. Learn of me, for I am meek and lowly in heart. And you shall find rest upon your souls. I want to ask you a question this morning. Would there be a single person in here that would say Jesus was a weak man? No. If you were to say that, you would be greatly mistaken and you would misunderstand my Lord and Savior. For he did not have to take his sins upon Himself, He did not have to take our sins, your sin, my sin. But in an act of meekness, power under control, He took your sin. But perhaps the greatest glimpse of His humility and His weakness is found in Philippians chapter number 2. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, but made himself of no reputation and took upon him the form of a servant and was made in the likeness of man. And being found in fashion as a man, listen to what the Bible says, he humbled himself and he became obedient to death, even the death on the cross. Jesus died for you. Have you ever accepted that fact? Discovery number three would then be, how do I attain this? The attainment of meekness. How is it possible that I can attain meekness? How can I be this person that's uh, powerful but under control? Well, there's a general attainment. Jesus said these words, that the meek are blessed. They know a happiness and a joy because God has made them glad. But there's also a specific attainment. Jesus said the meek are blessed because they shall inherit the earth. That word inherit refers to receiving one's rightful portion or receiving an inheritance. It's almost a direct quote from Psalm 37 in verse 11. We've noted that similarity between being meek and being poor poor in spirit. They're very close. A person has to recognize their spiritual poverty and then in meekness receive Christ before they can be saved. And it's only the meek who will inherit the earth, the Bible says. God told Adam to have dominion or rulership over the earth. And his right and his ability to rule was made invalid by his fall, by sin. But through salvation, do you know what happens through salvation? God restores our right to rule. Uh, We will inherit someday this earth. Will you inherit the earth? Do you know Jesus Christ as your personal Lord and Savior? We must remember the words of an old black preacher from South Carolina. It ain't always going to be this way. And it ain't always going to be that this world is full of sin and sin sick and falling apart. There's coming a day when we who know Christ are going to rule and reign with Him. Psalm 37 says, For yet a little while, and the wicked shall not be. Yea, thou shalt... Diligently consider his place, and it shall not be. I want to encourage you in the kingdom age, God's people shall reign with him a thousand years. And the promise of our glorious future gives us hope right now. I tell you, when I look across this country, what happened in California this past week, if you have children or grandchildren in California, you need to pay to get them out of California. The very idea that someone says that that just because your son or daughter uh, uh, wants to be a boy when they're a girl, or, or wants to be a, a, a girl if they're a boy, and uh, if you don't agree with their decision, the state will snap those children away. It's law now. God help the state of California. Or when in the state of New Mexico, you have a governor who declares that she has the right to set aside the Constitution of the United States in a time of emergency when there is no emergency. Or you talk about what's going on in Washington, D.C., the depths of depravity. I understand that we're living a, a, a day and age where there is just maybe but a glimmer of hope. We could become discouraged and say, God, where are you? May I just tell you, the meek can enjoy the earth now in ways that no unbeliever can understand. Listen to the words of Wade Robinson. Heaven above is softer blue. Earth around is sweeter green. Something lives in every hue Christless eyes have never seen. Birds with gladder songs overflow. Flowers with deeper beauty shine. Since I know, as now I know, I am His And he is mine. My friend, if you know Jesus, you have something that this lost world does not have. That cannot understand. How that we can have a smile on our face and joy in our heart. Oh, we've discovered the meaning and the results and the attainment. Finally this morning, discovery number four. What is the test of meekness? Pastor Armstrong, how do I know if I have meekness? what, What is the gauge? What's the thermometer? How do I know... If I am going to inherit this earth. Do you have this characteristic in your life? Could Jesus have been talking about you in verse number 5? Blessed are the meek. Here are four tests that we must pass in order to achieve meekness. And by the way, every one of us should desire to achieve meekness. Because one day that means that we'll rule and reign with him. There's the salvation test. For a person to be saved, he must in meekness humble himself before God. When the disciples asked God, "Who is the greatest in the kingdom? He answered them in Matthew 18. He called a, a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and said, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted and become as a little child, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself has this little child. The same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. My friend... There are people that will die and go to hell who have heard this message either via live stream or on our YouTube or on our church website who are seated here today. There are people who will literally die and go to hell because they're not willing to admit they're a sinner in need of a Savior. There's the command test in addition to the salvation test. Zephaniah 2 says, Seek ye the Lord and all ye meek over the earth which have wrought his judgment. Seek forgiveness. Seek meekness. There's a command that you must seek this. James 1 says, Wherefore lay apart all filthiness and superfluity of naughtiness and receive with meekness the engrafted word which is able to save your souls. Those who are not meek cannot understand nor can they truly apply God's word. There's the life of faith test there's the life of faith test jesus was meek and do you know what we cannot imitate him if we are arrogant it is by a humble faith in god and his written word that we pass the meekness test have you any examples of a step of faith that you have ever taken in your life have you ever been unsure i know god has pointed me this direction but you know what it's fuzzy it's blurry I don't know what's going to happen if I walk through that door I know God told me to go through that door but I'm not willing to go through that door because I can't see clearly the meek person the person that's in tune with the Holy Spirit of God and the Word of God will by faith step through the open door and then that step becomes clear and then the next step becomes clear There are folks that God wants you to do something great with your life, but you are comfortable where you are now, not willing to take the step of faith. A meek person will pass the life of faith test. I want to ask you, you, not someone you know, not another family member, but you, have you ever taken a step of faith? The just shall live by faith. Have you ever taken a step of faith? And finally, there's the glory to God test. The glory to God test. Let me explain this, what I'm thinking here. Human nature tries to glorify itself. We live in a world. If it feels good, do it. If it's right for you, do it. The godly person in meekness gives glory to God. I will only do it if God... Blesses And God's the one who's going to give the glory. And see, when we humble ourselves even among each other, that is when God is glorified. Romans 15 says, Now the God of patience and consolation grant you to be like-minded one toward another according to Christ Jesus, that ye may with one mind, one mouth, glorify God, even the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. Wherefore receive ye one another as Christ also received us. The glory of God. Do you give glory to God for the great things in your life? Do you give glory to God for the things that aren't great in your life? In other words, are you a person that will give glory and honor to God? If we want to please God, we've got to treat each other with meekness. And here are some practical suggestions. Let me give you three of them and we'll be finished. Number one. Give up something you want for your spouse, for your children, for a coworker, for a church member. Give up something that you want. Number two, refuse to retaliate and to take revenge when wrong. Now, there's some folks that's been wronged here. You have rightfully been wronged. Someone did something to you that was 100% categorically wrong. There is no justification for it. They harmed you. They hurt you emotionally. They hurt you spiritually. They may have hurt you physically. They may have hurt you mentally. They may have hurt your family. The meek person, the person that's powerful, under control, will refuse to retaliate. Vengeance is mine. I will repay. Thus saith the Lord. If you want true retaliation and revengeance, give it to the Lord. Say, Lord, I have to give this to you. You have to take this from me. I ask you to make that right. Number three, accept no praise for yourself, and when praise is heaped upon you, turn right around and give it to the Lord. Pastor Howard, you're doing a great job. Pastor Howard's response, well, praise the Lord. I'm thankful the Lord's given me the health To continue to serve. Someone gives you praise at work. Oh, you understand I work in a secular place. Give praise to the Lord. It's okay to say, I'm thankful that Jesus gives me the ability to come to work and do my job. Man, you have such a beautiful, lovely family. Thank the Lord. We're doing our very best to stay in the Word, to pray with our children. We're doing our very best as we know how. Thank, Thank the Lord. We are people that love it when someone praises us that we did a great job. Uh, we are good. We're bad. We're something. When actually, if we want to be powerful, when I say that again, when we want to be powerful, we will be a meek person who is under control. Don't retaliate. Accept no praise for yourself. Give up something that maybe perhaps you wanted for yourself to be a blessing to others. Once a pastor rose to speak to a great public gathering, and as he did so, he was showered with applause. They said, let's welcome so-and-so. And And everybody, this powerful, important man, was coming to speak, and everybody uh, applauded him. I want you to listen to what he said. Applause before a speaker begins is an act of faith. Applause during the speech is an act of hope. Applause, after he has concluded, is an act of charity. Do you know who our applause needs to be toward? The Lord Jesus Christ. I wonder, when's the last time you gave God glory for what's going on in your life? Folks, the Bible says, Blessed are those who are meek, for they shall inherit the earth.